Good morning, Mimosas. This is your host, Cheryl Bear, with the Good Morning Mimosa podcast. This morning, we are back at our transition series. We are in episode three discussing perseverance. Back in the recording studio, I have Miss Brittany Sewell. Good morning, Brittany. Good morning, Cheryl. I'm so happy to be here today. I know. I am excited for our third episode. The first two gave so much good content and food for thought and challenges. So I'm excited to talk about some perseverance. So I know you have a quote for us. So what is your quote for the day? Yeah, the quote today is a man is not finished when he is defeated. He is finished when he quits. And that's by Richard Nixon. That is a great quote, and I am excited to circle back and discuss it more in a little bit here, but let's jump into the discussion points for today that tie into that quote. If you could give us a little bit of a story that you have um, connecting the pandemic, school, and marriage. Yeah, so... Last week, we talked uh, about goal setting and how it's one thing to set a goal and it's another to achieve it. I wanted to talk about how you can stick with your goals uh, and the perseverance you'll need to do that. Perseverance is sticking to your plan of accomplishing something despite the difficulties or delays in achieving that success. So every year, I pick a word that's going to be the backdrop from which I pull awareness, intention, strength, and courage. For the year 2020, I just so happened to pick perseverance. At the time, I thought, oh, I will need this to finish my degree strong, and I'll need to use this to keep the weight off. Little did I know that a global pandemic would test all of us on our ability to persevere when it gets tough. Somehow, in spite of the pandemic, I finished my internship, I finished my bachelor's degree, and I enrolled in a graduate program and saved my marriage. I joked towards the end of the year that for the year 2021, the word I was going to pick would be easygoing. (laughs) Yes. So I know you said you picked words one every year. If you don't mind sharing, I know perseverance was the perfect word for 2020 because, you know, the whole world has had to rally strong through that one. But could you tell us a little bit about words that you have picked for maybe your years prior leading up to perseverance. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you reached out to me to do this podcast, I thought, you know, I'm no expert in this field of mental fortitude. I've had my own struggles. So at the very least, I can only talk from my experience, right? And the words that we've discussed on these podcasts, intention and awareness, Uh, goal setting, perseverance, all of these things are words I've picked for myself. Um, The first year I started picking a word, uh, I used intention. Uh, I believe the um, 2020, I used perseverance. I have also used uh, self-discipline. And so I kind of aligned that with goal setting um, because part of that is not only being aware, but then sticking to those goals and making sure they're what smart goals, right? Specific, (laughs) measurable, attainable. Um, And so that comes in with that self-discipline there. So perseverance, and I know you met your goals for 2020, but if you don't mind, diving in a little bit more about the pandemic we all lived through and had our own trials and tribulations of varying kinds. 
um, and we heard a little bit about your school, but would you mind sharing with us, you know, you said you were able to save your marriage. Could you explain how you were able to save it and then, you know, and move yeah. ahead with your personal goals in that way? Yeah, absolutely. So I think a big part of me working on myself ended up helping me out in the long run in some of my relationships. Um, throughout the pandemic, I got really focused on just maintaining my mental health and my physical health. And at the same time, I kind of let some of my relationships um, decline. Um, me and my husband essentially ended up becoming more like roommates than we were uh, spouses. Um, and I definitely want to dive more into that in the episode of balance, which we'll be talking about next week. Um, but just to kind of go back to we can only work on ourselves, right? We can't change other people. Um, so a big part of perseverance is building up your self-esteem. And part of being able to persevere is the belief that we can. Self-esteem is built on two parts, which include our self-confidence and self-efficacy. Believing that we can is known as our self-efficacy. In order to be able to stick with something that's important to us, we have to believe in our abilities to stick to it. This is where having a growth mindset comes in. I love that growth mindset. And, you know, if you had to pick growth mindset versus another mindset, you know, what would it be? And can you elaborate on that for us? Absolutely. So essentially it comes down to you either have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. A fixed mindset says I tried and failed, so I'm not good at this. A growth mindset says everyone makes mistakes and I believe that I can eventually figure this out. A growth mindset approaches mistakes as opportunities for growth and a chance to evaluate where we can improve without losing confidence in our abilities. This ties back into our first episode where we talked about being curious about areas we want to improve and not judging ourselves when we find room for improvement and also challenging our faulty thinking. Turn, I give up into, I'll try a different strategy. What works well this week may not work next week. And not only is that okay, but it's also to be expected. This is another way of seeing the tennis ball or the egg analogy. We want to be able to have the mental fortitude to bounce back from any setback in our journey towards growth. And having a fixed mindset means we will crack when we fail. Thankfully, a growth mindset can be cultivated and it's something we can all achieve. And the growth mindset, which is something that, you know, you strive for and you used throughout 2020, can you explain where the growth mindset really came into play and made a difference, especially in 2020 in that, you know, living out the word perseverance. Yeah. So I, you know, I talked earlier just a little bit ago about how some things don't always work. So you might do something, for example, just in my own journey, maybe I was doing some sort of workout to, to get into shape but then eventually that workout's no longer going to work, right? Your body adjusts, your muscles kind of get used to it. And so you have to change it up. You have to change your different strategies because you can't do the same thing day in and day out and expect the same results. You're going to have to push your body. You're going to have to push your mind. Um, so that's where that growth mindset comes from is to always know that you're on a journey towards growth and becoming a better version of you. And how would you say growth mindset is applicable for relationships outside of just the relationship you have with yourself, maybe with your friends or your children or your uh, significant other? 
Mm, yeah, that's a good one. I think you could definitely apply a growth mindset and looking at any situations or problems that you come into in your relationships, you could look at it like it's you guys against the problem. That is a great way of kind of a great statement to make about that. It reminds me of, you know, times when, you know, Ryan and I have come across some adversities. And, you know, one thing, being a military family, you get extremely close knit with your your new nuclear family, which, you know, in my case is Ryan and I, and we've got Huck and Cat in tow. And as long as we have that, we are, you know, it's very much us against the world mentality. And, right. you know, and I distinctly remember on more than one occasion when we've had some really, really hard moments, um, whether it was orders or career moments for myself or for him um, or anything like anything of that nature, I would say, you know, regardless of what we wanted, we still have the greatest team the world has ever seen. And it's right here and it's you and me and it's what we have. Right. And, you know, when we get to take that step back and recenter and and put in that perspective, you know, we always come back to, you know, there's people that will accomplish, they'll make more money, they will accomplish maybe flashier looking objectives or goals, or maybe get that dream promotion or job that maybe we wanted. But they probably may, I mean, I hope they do, but maybe they don't, they will never have, you know, the, the marriage and the teamwork and the communication and the love that we have. Yeah. So you that, have that, that efficacy to fall back on the belief in you guys' ability to weather through the storm. Um, and that's that growth mindset because eventually you'll get there, you'll get the job, you'll get the, you know, whatever it is that your goal is, if you keep striving towards it, eventually you guys will get there. Um, but it's just being able to weather the storm until then together, which is great. So talking about weathering the storm, and I know 2020 with the pandemic, it was one hell of a storm that we uh, we all rallied through together and are still in, in some cases, um, in some areas. How were you able to set a growth mindset tone in yourself and in your parenting with your children through the pandemic? Because I know a lot of my friends and families that have children, you know, when they were like, oh my gosh, now I have to homeschool them and we're trapped inside together for weeks. And especially, you know, here in Philadelphia, there's some families that, hey, we're, it, it is, you know, four of us in a 720 square foot fish fishbowl, so to speak, and we can't really go outside. So I know that was a huge point of stressor, but in, in the face of that, how did you continue that growth mindset for yourself as a parent and then kind of instill and and help your children with it. Yeah. So that's actually the first way I encountered growth mindset versus fixed mindset was trying to help my daughter learn to read. Uh, she was in first and then second grade and she was still struggling to get the concepts and she was getting overwhelmed and would give up and say, I can't do it. And so I was looking for every resource to help her as a parent, because how can I instill this in her that she'll eventually get it if she keeps trying, you know, they say practice, practice, practice. Um, but it's, it's easier said than done, especially when 
when these are their first interactions with the world, you know, the first interactions with the world is saying you can't read or with my son, you know, he's in speech therapy saying you can't speak. Um, so that is definitely going to hinder, um, development there and their self-esteem. Um, so as a parent, I, I looked all over for resources and, um, ending up in your, your comments for this podcast will be a resource linked to the big life journal which is where I first came in contact with the growth mindset. And that resource helps you teach kids how to have a growth mindset um, so that they can build that self-efficacy and that self-confidence so that they can learn how to, whether it's to read or to participate in a speech class or whatever it is that the world's putting in front of them. And then through my studies in psychology and to become a licensed clinical mental health counselor, they also brought up the importance there of a growth mindset versus fixed mindset. So not only was I seeing it in the parenting world with helping my children, but now I'm also seeing it helping grown adults with their mental health struggles um, on how to kind of build up that resilience there. Brittany, do you have any other specific examples regarding growth mindset you could share with us? Yeah, these um, examples of growth mindset, you know, you can find them anywhere, whether it's within your schooling, as an adult, as a child. I know, for instance, with my daughter, when she was learning um, to play tennis with us, and we're, you know, feeding her those ideas of growth mindset. And a lot of, a lot of the ideas of building a growth mindset, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this here in a little bit on the episode, is dealing with affirmations and mantras. So it's kind of like instilling in yourself these um, phrases that can kind of build up your confidence to be courageous to try something. And so when we're out there on the tennis court, you know, we, my daughter likes to say a lot like, that was really good because it's not perfect because no one can be perfect, you know? And so it's kind of like, because perfection can be damaging. And a lot of times when people get it stuck in their head that they have to be perfect, they just end up avoiding it altogether, which is unfortunate. So for her, it helps her to tell herself there, there is no perfection. As long as I show up and I try, then I'm, I'm working on myself, you know? So moving to our next point on lens, could you explain how a lens affects or goes with perseverance? Yeah. Yeah. So a lens, having a certain lens ties in definitely with the growth mindset and building up our self-esteem. So I love to say what you put in is what you'll put out. This is my version of another quote that's out there, but this version speaks to being mindful of what lenses we are using to see the world with. When you put in stress and drama, that's what you'll put out. It's important to curate the messages we give our minds to ensure we are building ourselves up. Watching reality TV is fun, but what message is it feeding us? Is it getting us closer to our goals? The books we read, the podcasts we listen to, the shows we watch, they're all lenses we take on to view the world. You know, Cheryl, I've heard you say a few times that's something that something said was food for thought. And that is exactly what I'm talking about. What food are we feeding our thoughts? That lens concept is such a powerful point. I think about a couple months ago when I was watching uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is a show I, I love. It is very comical and it's funny, but even watching it, it's a very, very fast paced humor type show. And it is very 
it's quick and witty and they talk a hundred miles an hour. And my younger self used to talk 150 miles an hour to the point where sometimes when I was in grade school, my teachers would look at me and Cheryl, what did you just say? And, you know, my best friend at the time, Molly, would interpret and be like, hey, Cheryl said this um, because I just 100 percent. And since as an adult, you know, I kind of slowed down a little bit with, you know, having proper speech and inflection and tone and and all that jazz that that we learn later on in life. But watching that show, I noticed I was subtly talking a little bit faster. I was being a little bit wittier, a little more, you know, dry humor, like the the drive-by humor shots and things like that. Naturally, it was just because I sat and binge watched it for so long that I started almost doing similar, you know, behaviors or things from the show. Yeah, that's happened with me. I I love the show uh, Love Island. It's a British-based reality TV show. Um, So don't get me wrong. I'm still out there watching reality TV. It's just being aware, right? (laughs) And so I noticed, you know, the more I watched it, the more my internal dialogue had a British accent. And if that's not a clear (laughs) indicator of the lenses, you know, we're using, then what is? You know, talking about, you know, kind of the lenses, it's also about who's in your space, right? Mm -hmm. The importance of your friend circle, you know, kind of who you let in and how you protect your yourself um, and what your values and things like that. My father-in-law has a phrase that he says all the time, which is bananas hang in bunches. And it's this concept that, you know, like-minded or like things hang together. So when you are you know, collecting and building out your, your circle, your support system, your network, it's really good to make sure that you have people that are, have similar values that you do. Not that they have to be identical to you. I think it's great to have people of varying backgrounds and people who can challenge you, but people who at a baseline have maybe the same level of health or care or respect or love that you do because then you can share and celebrate all of your differences in a great way that is challenging but still moves you forward and especially helps you persevere through say a 2020 pandemic or whatever you're You're like you're cultivating your circle to ensure that you have the best mental fortitude you need to make sure that these people are in your corner that they're ready to bat for you and you are for them so i agree you don't have to have exactly the same values but respect for each other's values is highly important and making sure that I don't know, for me, it's really important to have friends that look at life as a journey towards growth. If some, if I have a friend that says, oh, I'm done here. This is all I'm ever going to amount to. And this is all I want in life. And I'll just sit here. Like, I don't know that that's the friend for me. You know, I want to go and explore and improve and become the best mother and the best friend and the best wife and all these things that I can be not, not the best there is just that I can be. That's such, you know, and, and kind of segueing to kind of getting yourself to that place, you know, once you have your, your support, your circle of friends, you're taking care of that lens and what you're feeding, you know, those food for thoughts, what you're pouring into yourself. Can you talk to me about maybe some affirmations or mantras that you have that have helped you persevere? 
Yeah. So affirmations and mantras are either one word or they're phrases that are used to bring you into the present moment. And they're, they enable you to work past some of your fears. Sometimes we put things off that are important because we're afraid. We're afraid to fail. We're afraid to disappoint others or ourselves. Affirmations allow us to power through the fear and do the work necessary to get us where we want to go. Do you have a couple examples or maybe an example that shows how you have used some of your own personal affirmations or mantras? Yeah. So some examples of this would include when I was struggling with anxiety, I would repeat, I am safe. And it got me out of my spiral of thoughts about everything that could go wrong and brought me into the present moment that allowed me to recognize I was in fact safe. When I was going back to school after seven years off, I was terrified I didn't know how to properly complete some of my assignments. Being able to tell myself action kills fear and done is better than perfect when perfect isn't done allowed me to accept that I can only control my actions. When I was overwhelmed by the amount of time it would take to lose the weight I had put on for my pregnancies, I told myself the day is going to pass anyway, I might as well work on my goals. When I wanted to give up in my workouts, I would tell myself, you can do anything for 30 minutes. And then one final one I like to use is when I'm feeling overwhelmed about something I'm going to have to do in the future, I like to tell myself that that's a problem for future me. Future me is stronger, wiser, smarter. Future me has more resources, more education. The future me has this problem, not me now. (laughs) That's such a great way of you know, looking at it and, you know, kind of a way to handle it, a positive way of giving yourself something to look forward to because you can like trust in your future self because you're making the investment in your current self right now. That is great. Um, one, one example that I will share with you. So little tangent, but I am a time person. I'm big on being on time and I have big grace with other people who are not on time. I I worked and I may have used this example before. So if so, sorry, mimosas, we're going again. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am big on if it's a a. 7am meeting, I will be there and the meeting is starting right at 7am. I'm big on respecting people's time because it's the one finite resource we have. You know, we can always make more money. We can always get more things. But the time we are given is all we've got. We, we can't get any more of it. So anyways, I'm big on time. The organization that I worked for had set hours, but it was kind of looser. You know, when you like say you needed to start work 30 minutes, you know, I started at 730, say, you know, I need to start at eight and work till four instead of 730 to 330 or whatever the situation was. It was very flexible and everyone was very flexible about time. They were not, I'm the stickler. If I'm say, Hey, I'm going to be there at seven. You might want to get there closer to 630 or 645 because I will probably be there at 645 because I don't want to be late. Now, if someone else is late, I have grace in that capacity. And, you know, I don't hold people to that rigid stand, rigid standard, but my husband has more than a handful of times. I'm like, I am leaving out this door and I will leave without you. This is our timeline. Um, And I woke up one morning and I was, I was late. I mean, I was not getting to the office until 7.40 a.m. And if you could talk to any of my coworkers, no one cares. No one cared. Like, 
my coworkers didn't care. My boss didn't care. I was one of the first people in the office. Like it is not in the life of a problem and a deal. This literally was not one of them. But for me, I was so upset and frazzled. And it took me by the time I got to my office, like an hour to get my life together. So I had a productive day because I, you know, and I was, I called my coworker and I was like, ah, you know, I, I, I'm 10 minutes late. And she, she was like, Cheryl, literally no one cares. Not a soul. No one in this entire organization cares about these 10 minutes. And I'm like, I know. And I knew it. And I knew deep down that this did not matter. This was not a big deal. And I had to say like, all right, Cheryl. And my mantra is you need to have grace with yourself. Mm. Cheryl, you need to have grace with yourself because I do have my, and I have the most cutthroat and high standards for myself way more than other people. And for me, that mantra has helped me calm down and put things in perspective. Um, Yeah. It sounds like you kind of um, like maybe, you know, in the very beginning we talked about in uh, the intention and awareness episode, we talked about faulty thinking that we end up taking on from how we were raised. Um, Not necessarily just our parents, society in general. Um, In the US, we are individualistic culture. um, And that definitely promotes being accountable for your own time and being there, you know, on the dot, if not early, type A um, personalities are honored and respected. Um, If you're if you're late, that that's disrespectful. That's kind of like the, the thinking that we've taken on here. Um, so you're kind of um, overcoming that faulty thinking, essentially, um, by your example of your affirmation to give yourself some grace there. Yes. And, you know, I need to have grace with myself. I have said it out loud several times. And then when I find myself in situations where I have to overcome something large, I always try to scale it to a small step and then take pride in every small step. Um, The example I'll give is when we first moved to Philadelphia. To say that it is a complete 180 from the small fisherman village, Sneeds Ferry, North Carolina, is an understatement uh, to say the least. And it was very, very hard and it was very stressful. And I had to develop a new routine, but everything seemed overwhelming. Everything was stressful and loud and noisy and dirty. And it was just such a one. It was just very different. Um, And the people and the culture and there was a lot. So I had to scale back and I just said, okay, let's just do one step. And I started with, I'm going to take my dog Huck out. I'm going to take him outside. And first we would literally go to the the sidewalk and he had a favorite fire hydrant on the street corner and we would go to that fire hydrant. And that was all I could do. Right. And then I'd be like, oh, I did it. That's great. And then the next you know, day I'd try to go, okay, let's go two blocks. And I just slowly made these, what from an outsider would be like, that is not a big, like that's a basic right. function. And that- but sometimes our internal critic will be the outsider and it will say, yes. that's not enough. That's bare minimum. That's not enough. But that's that's a lie we tell ourselves and it holds us back because that was enough. And look how far you've come since then. Yes. I, you know, by first, you know, coming from where it was all I could do to walk to the dog park, um, which was literally two blocks from my apartment and then meeting people. And I still have a good friend, Kelly, 
who now lives in California, that I got to meet at the dog park and then getting the job, my second job in Philly, where I would walk 0.8, almost a full mile through the city from old city to like the heart of center city to get my car every day. Uh If you would have told day one of Philadelphia, Cheryl, Hey, you're going to be walking like essentially two miles, one mile to the car and one mile back every single day at all hours, especially when I'd go in and help for work for like a midnight to 6am shift or something like I would have been like, no way. I can't even walk three blocks. And looking back on, you know, where I am now, it's easy to say, oh yeah, that was just a blip on the radar. But in the moment, each of those small steps were so important and they were so, you know, having that mantra of, hey, just one small step and then celebrating that small step. And then when you maybe tried, because I definitely had days where I'm going to walk five blocks today and I'd get to three and just start crying. (laughs) I'd say, you know what? Have some grace with yourself. Who cares if you cry? You'll never see these people again. It doesn't matter. It's a city. Like no one cares. And, (laughs) you know, and like you need to have grace with yourself. And if I didn't have those affirmations for myself, there's no way I would be where I am today. So I think it's so important. I'm a huge believer in affirmations and mantras. And the thing is, you know, this isn't really taught. People aren't telling you that are mentally healthy. They aren't telling you this is what's different in their mind right? You just know something's different, but you can't see it. And it wasn't until I went on this journey myself of learning how to, to have a growth mindset of how to be um, in a mentally healthy place that I learned how important affirmations were. Um, And so anybody out there that is struggling um, can start to implement different affirmations, whatever it is you're struggling with. Like I said, when I was feeling just unsafe, like when the beginning of the pandemic happened and I'd go to the grocery store, I'd have a mask on. I feel like I'm starting to feel like I can't breathe and I'd have to take a deep breath and just repeat, I am safe. I am safe because I was safe. It's my thoughts that are telling me, oh, you're going to, you know, get COVID or something's going to happen. But in that moment, I was totally safe. I was inside a um, central air grocery store. Like, you know, I have, I have money limited capacity. Yeah. Yeah. I need to buy my groceries. Like I am, I'm safe. Okay. (laughs) But, but your brain will tell you otherwise. And so that's why it's so important to have these kind of backup affirmations and mantras to kind of rewire that, that faulty thinking. I think it's so important to be your own cheerleader and be almost your loudest cheerleader, which is so foreign, a concept that blew my mind when Ryan and I, we were getting ready to get married and the pastor who was marrying us, you know, sat down with Ryan and I, and he was like, it's very easy when you're married to get on the complain train, right? Mm -hmm. And complain about what it is that they're doing or something that annoys you whenever you go to a dinner party, anything anyone can get together and complain about their spouse. But wouldn't it be cool if instead you were each other's biggest cheerleader Uh and it's okay when other people are on the complain train for you to say, oh, okay, that's not my experience, but I can see where you're coming from. And then talk about your experience that may be completely different. 
And it was one of those pieces of advice that blew my mind first off, because that's not what I saw growing up, you know, in a lot of, I mean, not to say everyone's marriage is terrible or anything, but it wasn't, it wasn't a prevalent thing um, across you know, not just, you know, my family, but all of my friends and their parents, it was definitely the hustle and bustle, the, the search for the, the bigger, the shinier thing, the materialistic things. It wasn't this, Hey, love what we have and praise what we have. Um, and being that, that big cheerleader. So it was a great point that he said that because it really helped shape our mindset from the start. But then also saying as much as it's important to be each other's cheerleader, you can't be a cheerleader for someone else if you don't start with yourself. That's true. And that's with anything. If you, if you're struggling to show yourself compassion, how are you showing compassion to others? There's really not much you can give to other people unless you truly can give it to yourself first. Um, but I did want to hop on to that marriage advice you gave some of my favorite marriage advice. And this is always what I give, um, to my family, to friends, whenever they get married is do not talk badly about your spouse to other people. And this is why you'll get over it because you love them your family and your friends won't. They're going to remember those things you said. And so if you guard, guard those things, guard. I mean, of course, if, you, if you're in a bad relationship and you need out, like, yeah, talk to people. But, you know, the normal days, day in and out of, of frustration with your spouse, that does it, that needs to stay between you and your spouse, okay? Because like I said, you love your spouse. You're going to get over it. It's just a little aggravation, but you go tell your mom that, and she's going to remember it 10 years from now. (laughs) (laughs) It will go on a never ending list of, and here's another thing. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you still with him? Cause you never have anything good to say. So that's, that's just something to be mindful of that. I like to make sure people know is definitely be careful about who, who you're complaining to and about. No, absolutely. You know, there was a, um, Several years ago, I was having a a conversation with, uh, I'll say a middle-aged to wiser person. It was a female who was married as well, who was having the discussion of, oh, well, uh, and not super 1950s, but kind of a super 1950s-esque conversation of like, ah, I had to mow the lawn and I had to do this and that's a man's job and all of, you know, all that. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, time out. If we're going to go down this rabbit hole, then you would need to be domestic as well. And you don't cook or clean (laughs) or do laundry. So I don't, you know, kind of understand and um, the double standard of values there. Yeah. So first I was like, time out, let's address that. But then secondly, the woman kept going almost with this blind righteousness Mm -hmm. about her topic. And Everything she was saying that is, quote unquote, a man's job or what makes them great were all things that, especially at that time, you know, my husband was deployed or he had workups and he was gone all the time. So everything she listed, I'm like, I literally do 100% of all those things. There's no one else, you know, it's me doing it. But my husband's a great husband. So what are you trying to say? And and I kind of made my point very strong because I'm I'm not a wallflower and I said, well, you know, Ryan doesn't do this. And I went down the list that she gave me of what a man, of what a husband, quote unquote, should do. And I said, he doesn't do a single one of those things. What are you trying to say about him? Because he's a great husband. Or are you saying he's a terrible husband too? Mm -hmm. And the look and the shock of like, I can't believe it. I said, you know, 
I know you're very frustrated in this regard, but I think you need to take a step back and work on some self things before you start awareness. Yeah. Before awareness, (laughs) attacking and throwing out other things. And a while later we, you know, had a conversation and she was like, you know, you really checked me there. Like (laughs) harsh. I think, I think the, uh, the phrasing was that was quite a slap in the face, uh, a verbal one, a verbal one. I did not actually slap, slap her. Um, but she said, you know, that was, it was really a slap in the face, but you really made a good point. And I've had some change of thought mm-hmm. and things for themselves and how much your internal thoughts or affirmations or mantras, when you start changing that inner, how much it changes everything else that in turn starts coming out, not just about you, but about others and even right. about, you know, the, the relationships and uh, it really is a ripple effect. So being that right. inner cheerleader and, you know, people like to say like, oh, self-love, it's so important, but it is important. Yes. It's, it's so important. Circling back to affirmations and mantras that might be useful for our mimosas out there. One that I've used a lot is it's okay to cry. Mm-hmm. I've had my moments, uh, you know, in a grocery store where, you know, Ryan has just been gone a long time, saw Raisin Bran, and I just needed to cry it out. And I just was like, you know what? I just need to cry and I'm fine, but I need to, I just need to cry it out. And of course, the <laughs> the guy in the grocery aisle with me is like, are you okay, ma'am? And I'm like, this sale is so great. The cereal. <laughs> You need to get You're some. having like a cathartic release <laughs> on the cereal aisle. <laughs> oh, no, I absolutely was. But I'll tell you what, when I just stopped and just let myself cry, then I I was good. I, I, I did what I needed to do. And then I was good to move on with the rest of my day. So I think, you know, or having sometimes you just need to pause. Mm-hmm. I just need 30 seconds of silence. And then just having that pause for yourself, you know, and making sure like, nope. I need to do what I need real quick and making that statement and then moving forward. I think that's why it's so important. Like all of these, they come full circle really, because in order to have good perseverance, you need that awareness. But sometimes in the midst of persevering, you have to go back to awareness. So when you said it's okay to cry, that tells me again, that we have this faulty belief that we can't. In order to have an affirmation that says we can cry, then there has to be something that said we couldn't at some point, right? And so it's just, it's going back. It's a circle and it's like, okay, I need this affirmation to get through the day. Well, okay, this, let's be curious. Why do I need this affirmation? And let's, let's just dig in a little bit deeper right there. So we can have this full understanding and awareness of who we are. Um, So another affirmation I use quite often is just be here now. And I think that's really important because for me, especially in the past struggling with anxiety, you're constantly thinking about the million things that you have on the plate to do, how you're going to do them so well, where you could fail. And if I'm just here in this very moment, I'm okay. I don't have a million things to do in this one moment. Right. And when, and I trust that my, my body, my uh, sympathetic nervous system and my parasympathetic nervous system, they're going to do what they need to do when the time comes, when it's time for fight and flight, I'm not going to sit there scared because I'm going to have to react. And so that's how, that's how life is. Just be here now. This is all I can control is this moment I'm in and the choices I make in this moment. 
Well, Brittany, this has been fantastic. I am so excited to be able to do this series with you. I know we have uh, another episode on balance next week, but before we go, I'd like to circle back to our quote of the day by Richard Nixon. It is, a man is not finished when he is defeated. He is finished when he quits. And Mimosas, if you are out there uh, listening to this episode, please let us know what foods are you feeding your thoughts? Are they getting you closer to your goals? If yes, please let us know. If no, okay, what could you do to maybe change it or augment it or supplement it in some way to make it a positive thought that you are telling yourself to help you get to where you need to go? You can also download an affirmation app and start your day with a growth mindset lens. That is so important. But please, whatever your journey is, please share it with us on Instagram at Good Morning Mimosas, our website at thebravebear.com slash GMM, or shoot us an email at goodmorningmimosas.podcast at gmail.com. You literally never know what a like or share will do. So please feel free with your friends, family, or anyone else who could use a spark of joy. Again, we will be back in the studio next week with Miss Brittany on Balance, our episode four of this transition series. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy. Cheers, mimosas.